Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Steelworkers flexing their muscle on the U.S. Steel merger, what the legislature did to one teacher's union in Florida, and a champion in American labor passes away. Today on the show, it's the latest from the Columbus Central Ohio Building Trades, and it's our first Friday with Fred. Welcome to the Friday, January 5th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Mr. Dorsey Hager will be our first guest today. Longtime supporter of America's Workforce serves as Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. A growing bunch, mind you. And that all has to do with the expansion of Central Ohio with so many projects going on. The big story is Intel. We'll talk about that, but... I'm reading now that the Columbus Airport worked a deal with the Central Ohio Building Trades for a $2 billion expansion. And when you're talking money like that, you're talking about a lot of good-paying union jobs. Also, community benefit agreements and their effects on the community in Central Ohio. We'll get into that. And we'll take a look at the year ahead in politics. Lots going on in the state of Ohio, which will be a national focus, mind you. So Dorsey will be our first guest. And later in the show, we're going to check in with Fred Redmond, Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. And uh, we're going to talk about, uh, well, we'll take a look at 2024. And uh, the big story in 2023, and this is going to carry over, was artificial intelligence and how... We as workers are going to deal with that. All we've been hearing is, oh, there's going to be a lot of jobs that will be eliminated. Well, yes and no. We have to embrace the technology. And I urge you to go to the AFL-CIO website, aflcio.org, and you will see a video there with Liz Schuler, the president, talking with uh, one of the partners at Microsoft. In fact, they just cut a deal. The AFL-CIO just cut a deal with Microsoft on artificial intelligence and its effects on workers. The partnership will have three goals, sharing information with workers and their representatives, incorporating worker opinions and expertise into AI systems, and proposing public policies that equip workers with the skills needed for an increasingly AI-powered economy. You know that is happening. Now, we don't have all the details about the terms of the partnership. I'll see what I can get out of Fred on that. But I have to say this. Microsoft, I mean, there's a lot of corporations that are not friendly to workers. Let's be honest about that. Microsoft is not one of them. About two years ago, they declared themselves neutral toward efforts to unionize and uh, we're seeing an uptick in organizing at those companies. And, and you know that's what happens. When a company is neutral, chances go way up that a union is going to happen at that workplace. It's at the companies that 
fight tooth and nail against uh, against workers trying to organize. Microsoft is not in that camp. And uh, we're talking a lot of the gaming companies that Microsoft has acquired over the years. So uh, we'll get into that with Fred. And lastly, next weekend, our voice, our ballot, our future. It's the 2024 AFL-CIO Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Civil and Human Rights Conference. Fred was so involved in this when he was a vice president of human affairs at the Steelworkers. This will be held in Montgomery, Alabama, January 12th, 13th, and 14th. And I'm reading right from the homepage here. The conference will occur at a crucial moment for the labor and civil rights movements as workers across the country are organizing at historic rates for dignity, respect, and justice, both on the job and in our communities. We are facing unprecedented attacks on our rights from politicians and judges who would rather put the interests of corporations over the needs of working people. So here's the deal. We're going to come together not only to strengthen the bond between our two movements, but also reignite our shared commitment to democracy and winning racial and economic justice for all. Just got to give a shout out here to some of the sponsors, our presenting sponsors there, Layuna. Let's see, the Communication Workers of America, AFSME, Food and Commercial Workers, um, Painters and Allied Trades, and the Sheet Metal Air Rail Transportation, better known as SMART, along with American Income Life Insurance Company and Union Plus. Our voice, our ballot, our future. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, offering fixed income, real estate, and equity investment options to clients from coast to coast. Well, you saw this coming. The United Steelworkers Union is attempting to block the purchase of U.S. steel by Nippon Steel, which is based in Japan. The union is now lobbying a bipartisan group of lawmakers to pressure regulators to block the deal, mainly on national security grounds. They are also, they, the steelworkers, are contending that the deal occurred in violation of its collective bargaining agreement with the company. We've had several discussions on this issue, starting off with uh, Dave McCall. That was the Friday before Christmas. You might want to check his comments on that podcast, AWF podcast.com that was the uh, december 22nd edition we just had pat gallagher who retired from the steelworkers last year and he was on a tuesday show talking about this but they are at work trying to make sure this does not happen the united teachers of dade utd in miami dade county florida has failed to meet the 60 percent membership threshold which is required by a new right-to-work law, potentially leading to its decertification. This is horrible, what happened in Florida. This is a law that was supported by Governor Ron DeSantis and state Republicans. It was backed by, yes, the Freedom Foundation. Boy, we've talked about that organization many, many times on the show, especially with Melissa Cropper. And this is a group that has attacked teacher unions all around the country, including here in the state of Ohio. The whole idea aimed to decertify the union and create an alternative 
labor organization. In a statement sent to the Miami Herald this week, the union confirmed that an audit conducted by an independent auditor showed that the number of eligible employees who were union-paying members fell short of the threshold, despite the fact that the union added more than 800 new members, which was tremendous growth. So again, they changed the rules in the game. Used to be 50% plus one, okay? Now it's 60%. Imagine if they applied that to politicians and lawmakers. You got to get 60% of the vote in order to be elected. (laughs) There's a lot of people that wouldn't fall into that category. But this is what they have done in the state of Florida. So sad, so sad. You know what's also sad? We lost a labor giant, Ed Smith. Man, I was shocked when I got this news. And uh, we're in the process, by the way, of uh, going through our archives. I did an interview with Ed. Ed was the head of Ulico, and he comes from our uh, presenting sponsor, Lyuna. I mean, his background, he was born in uh, Illinois, thought of the labor movement as his calling rather than a job. In fact, uh, he got this passion from his father who served as the business manager of Local 773, going back from uh, 1942 to 76. And then Ed joined the union at the age of 13. Can you imagine that? 13 years old. He worked as a laborer, took over as Local 773 business manager. By the age of 21, this guy was on a mission. Oh, he had so much energy. In fact, um, I was talking to our producer just yesterday. The last interview we did with Ed was back in 2018. And what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks is play a good chunk of that interview and uh, get Terry O'Sullivan on the line. He was very, very close to Terry O'Sullivan, who is now retired as general president of Labor's International. But getting back to, uh, to Ed Smith, he was the first Lyuna member in the country to graduate from the National Labor College. How about that? He took part in the Harvard Trade Union Program, attending classes with Harvard MBA students and debating case studies in labor history. He focused his efforts at Layuna on using innovative strategies to protect labor rights. He led 40 organizing drives during the 70s and the 80s with groups across southern Illinois, including police, government workers, healthcare employees, highway workers. 39 of those drives proved successful, boosting local 773's membership from 300 to 4,000. So organizing, obviously he was very good at that. But, you know, Ed Smith's legacy is what he did at Ulico. Ulico is an insurance company, and he joined them back in 2008. Now, Consider what was going on in America at that time. That was the financial meltdown. The big banks, the brokerage houses. That's when he joined Ulico. And at that time, he assembled a very experienced management team, fought to give them the resources they needed, and worked very, very hard morning, noon, and night to redouble the company's commitment to labor. Rather than play it safe, Ed offered bold leadership and new ideas to move the company forward. 
as there was no labor-friendly infrastructure investment fund in the marketplace, Ed Smith set out to start one. Despite critics saying it couldn't be done, well, guess what? He hired the right people and started traveling the country to convince labor leaders to invest in what was then just an ambitious idea. Fast forward to today. We have a pension fund that is helping unions. That's what this is all about. I mean, he made so many relationships. He built something that many people said couldn't happen. And here we are today. There's no doubt in my mind this man was a visionary. And sadly, he passed away on Tuesday of this week. Ed Smith, a champion, a true champion of American labor. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Dorsey Hager on behalf of the Columbus Central Ohio Building Trades coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's liuna.org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at IFPTE.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at USW.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, ULAgency.org for complete updates. Let's go to Columbus, Ohio. Welcome a longtime supporter of America's workforce. That would be Mr. Dorsey Hager, serving as Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council website, columbusconstruction.org. Every time we talk to uh, Dorsey, something new is popping up. More investments, and the latest being the Columbus Airport, a $2 billion expansion. 
Dorsey Hager, happy new year to you. But it's it's been a couple of happy new years here in the last in the last uh, let's see since 2001. It seems things have really really picked up in Central Ohio, and obviously the center point is that Intel plant. So uh, you know what? Let's start right there. How are we uh, progressing on that, Dorsey? Everything's going great at Intel. We're still pouring concrete. Uh, we got the two batch plants completed out there, so they're making and mixing concrete, delivering it, pouring it on site. Um, I would say right now we've probably got over 800 craft people out there, a lot of iron workers, a lot of operating engineers, laborers, cement masons. Uh, we've got, you know, probably 30 to 40 electricians, probably 40 to 50 pipe fitters uh, getting ready to start some of the underground stuff. Obviously that'll ramp up a lot. Uh, quarter two of this year, but uh, they're pouring the concrete, uh, d- digging out uh, the base uh, for the plants and everything, and um, we're starting to uh, get numbers and timelines on the water treatment plant that's going to be on site and a lot of the front of the house stuff that's going to be on site, like the support buildings, the office buildings, and stuff like that. So um, I was out there a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to try to get out there again next week, but um, it is amazing how fast everything changes just from week to week out there. And it's not only the plant, it's not only the site, but it's the area around it. I mean, we've got so many folks out there, uh, you know, heavy highway doing uh, road uh, expansion and uh, working on uh, the interstate and and all that just to be able to get ready to bring those seven to 10,000 tradespeople in and out of that facility um, every day. So it's it's been awesome to watch. Uh, the photos are amazing. The videos are amazing. Uh, it's, it's just, it, it's incredible. I mean, I, I saw the finished product in Portland. I saw the finished product uh, in Phoenix and was astounded by that. But to see it, you know, and, and I'm hopeful I'll get to see start to finish, but to see it start and uh, and, and just come out of the ground is, is absolutely awesome. And uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was out there, um, I was asked to go out there by Tiviejo and Jeff Biederman Labor Relations for Bechtel, and they're the general contractor on the plant, and they celebrated one million man hours worked without a lost time accident, one million man hours. And, of course, I saw a lot of diversity on the job, a lot of people of color, a lot of females, a lot of vets, uh, a lot of Hispanics. And, and everybody, uh, as I walked through and toured, you know, was coming up to Jeff and Tibby and, you know, thanking them for the, the work and, and the opportunity and the way that they had been treated and stuff. And they had this huge luncheon celebrating uh, the milestone. And, and I got to stand up and speak and say a few words in, in front of the folks, which is incredible. And then when I sat back down, I turned to Tibby. I said, wow, I said, a million man hours. I said, that's incredible. And he said, just think before the year's out, we'll be working a million man hours a month. A month, and just that number astounded me. It's it's just it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy, but we're excited. We're looking forward to it. You know, we're preparing for 2024. We had our first meeting of the year, our delegate meeting, uh, a couple nights ago, and uh, I just kind of recap 2023. Looks like my projections are correct. We're going to eclipse 10 million man hours worked. Uh, which will be the most ever for the Columbus and Central Ohio building trades. If you look back 10 years ago, when a lot of us came into office, myself, Tim Ely, um, you know, Rodney French, um, Harry Mullins from the IUPAT, uh, we were working about 4.1 million man hours a year. So uh, to, to get up over 10 million man hours in one year is absolutely astonishing. Uh, for this local here in Columbus and Central Ohio, we've seen some tremendous gr- tremendous growth, and we're incredibly fortunate. So more than doubled 
in the past 10 years when it comes to uh, man hours work. That's incredible. You know, you mentioned the concrete. And uh, I wonder if you could paint a picture here of the footprint of that Intel plant, because I'm just thinking that's a whole lot of concrete that's being poured right now, right? Mm, I would say when you lay the Eiffel Tower down in Paris, yeah. the fab, the main plant's going to be wider than the Eiffel Tower. And I would say under roof would probably be 12 First Energy Stadiums, 12 Cleveland Brown Stadiums. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just the massive amount of concrete. And, and I remember, you know, two years ago when we were talking about the project, and obviously those guys are a lot smarter than me, and they've done mega projects like this all over the world. But, you know, when they told me they were going to put two batch plants on site, I, you know, obviously that's, that's the way to go. You can't be hauling in concrete in and out and, and stuff. You've got to have it there. You've got to make it there and you've got to pour it there. And um, those are tremendous opportunities for all the teamsters we have out there driving those uh, concrete trucks. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's an incredible, incredible thing to watch. We, we took a tour about six or eight weeks ago with our building future staff, case managers and stuff, because we're getting graduates out there from building future. So the folks wanted to see it. And, you know, some of those, walls and stuff underground exterior concrete walls are more than 16 feet thick and somebody asked me why are they so thick and i said well you know they got to protect from vibrations got to protect the equipment you know everything else so uh there's there just there's a lot of precautions taken into when you're investing 20 billion dollars in that first phase and in those first two uh fabs of the that chip plant so it's absolutely astonishing anybody uh you know I, i've probably learned more about chip plants in the last two years than I ever thought I would learn. And I probably don't even fully understand 5% of the whole process. That's how much goes into it. It's absolutely incredible. Well, Dorsey, your words have certainly painted a picture. And that being said, I'm just wondering, there's got to be a ton of video that uh, that's been captured here over the last couple of years on what's been, what's been going on there with this Intel plant. Is that, uh, is that eventually going to be posted on the uh, columbusconstruction.org website? Because that would be a cool thing to watch. No, it would be. And we've had conversations about that and, you know, with, with technology and everything and a lot of the stuff that we do utilizing drones and stuff, you get some incredible pictures and some incredible videos. And we're going to look at getting some of that and posting that online, especially before the plant becomes operational. Cause obviously when it becomes close to operational and operational, there's going to be huge security concerns in because of some of the chips that they make and for national defense, missile defense, stuff like that. But, but early on in the stages, I think there's a lot of stuff that we'll be able to get access to that we can post and, and make public. And um, you know, the good thing about that too is that's going to create even more buzz and excitement for a lot of people who are either underemployed or unemployed or folks that are in high school right now looking for a career. And we can, you know, like I've said, we can go to them, we can talk to them. Do you want to be a plumber? Do you want to be a pipe fitter, electrician, insulator, sheet metal worker, laborer, iron worker? We got 25 years worth of work right here in Licking County, one county over. So exciting opportunities and uh, it'll help create a lot of buzz, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of buzz about the airport too. Uh, talk to me about this expansion and this is not, this is not a small expansion. We're talking $2 billion. What's going on here? Yeah. So we heard about this about a year ago and I started having meetings with the Columbus regional airport authority in June, uh, to try to secure this work, uh, for ourselves. So there's, there's good news and there's bad news. So the good news is it looks like Columbus, uh, John Glenn airport is going to, uh, build an, uh, a new terminal to, ha- uh, to handle, uh, increased, traffic. So uh, in the past, we've been averaging about 7 million travelers a month 
We're now getting close to 13 million travelers a month. I'm sure that'll go up once more of Meta is built out, Facebook, once a lot of Amgen and Pharmavite, the pharmaceutical stuff is built out. Obviously, once uh, Intel is built out and a lot of suppliers, and then also Honda, the electric vehicle, I'm sure air traffic will continue to grow, especially with our community. I mean, it's projected in the next 10 years that Central Ohio is going to grow by 1 million residents, which is absolutely astonishing. So we need a bigger terminal. We need a new uh, airport. So they're going to build a new terminal. Um, the cost of that terminal is going to be about $1.5 billion. And then after that's op open and operational, they're going to raise the existing terminal, tear it down, uh, do improvements around uh, infrastructure, roads, and stuff, and that'll probably be another $500 million. So we're looking at about a $2 billion project. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot of companies that can handle a project of that size. Turner, who's a local company here, a local contractor, does a lot of, a lot of big work. They're doing the OSU Medical Center. They're doing Meta. They did the downtown Hilton here. They did the downtown Hilton in Cleveland. They uh, bid it. Uh, they were not awarded it. Instead, the regional airport authority uh, went with a construction manager at risk by the name of Hensel Phelps, who's done terminals all over the world. Uh, most recently, they did LAX. They're currently working on SeaTac, which is in Seattle. Hensel Phelps is one of the largest ABC contractors uh, in the country, extremely anti-union. They've partnered with a signatory here, general contractor Elford. And um, we've had conversations with uh, Joe Nardone, the president, um, of the Columbus Regional Airport Authority. We've had conversations uh, with their uh, government affairs uh, person, Kristen Easterday, um, and we've also had uh, several meetings with Hensel Phelps and Elford. But as of to date, there is no community benefit agreement in place. Um, obviously, my folks, my managers, my agents, a lot of our members are highly upset about this and very uh, skeptical about this project going forward. When we had the first outreach meeting, you know, the question was asked is, will prevailing wage be paid on this project? A representative of Hensel Phelps said no. There is no prevailing wage requirement on this project. About six weeks later, they came out with a statement, walked it back, and said they were going to pay prevailing wage, which then I met with them and I asked them what the enforcement mechanism was if somebody on the job uh, was not being paid the proper wages and benefits, and they said that basically they would withhold payment to their contractor until that person uh, was paid wages and benefits. And I said, you know, that's not really going to work. I said, imagine you're working for a company. They're cheating you out of wages and benefits. You rat on them to the general, and then they don't get paid their draws going forward. I don't see what the motivation is to come clean and help somebody. So um, obviously prevailing wage is going to be very difficult to be administered on that project. So we're still trying to get a community benefit agreement. We've gotten letters of support uh, from city council, President Shannon Harden, pro tem Rob Dorns, who's an IBW member. Uh, we've gotten a letter of support from uh, Mayor Andy Ginther. We've gotten letters of support from all the county commissioners and our Ohio Democratic delegation in the State House and the Senate. Uh, Minority Leader Russo, um, you know, Dontavious Geralds, Bill DeMora. We got a letter from our county engineer, uh, Republican county engineer, Cornell Robertson. So everybody's weighed in on this. They think it's a huge benefit for the community not to do a community benefit agreement that ensures that local people are doing this and getting paid the, 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 uh, the proper wages and benefits and health insurance. And for right now, the CEO, Joe Nardone, and their contractor, Hensel Phelps and Alfred, don't see it that way. So... Um, you know, we're getting close to seeing where the money hits the road, and uh, and uh, we'll see what happens next. Well, that is really sad. A project of that scope, too, $2 billion. Wow. 
I can't believe. Yeah. Now, have they have they been able to get any community benefit agreements in other cities that they've worked in? Yeah, they're they're currently working under a project labor agreement in Seattle. And when I asked Hensel Phelps and their lead project manager, who's going to be here, you know, well, why not Columbus? And he's like, well, we we did a uh, we did a uh, a research of the market, and 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 we decided we that, that it wasn't needed here in Columbus. Which everything that I've said to all the elected and all the people on the board uh, of CRAA is, is that's a slap in the face. And so they're saying people in Seattle deserve to make the industry standard wages, benefits, and health care, but people in Columbus don't. I mean, that makes no sense to me. And what I don't think that they understand, and I think a lot of our electeds and a lot of our community leaders understand, is what they're going to do is if they go forward without a community benefit agreement in place, is they're just going to create a breeding ground for organizers. A few weeks ago, the UA alone one international had over 110 organizers in central Ohio doing an organizing blitz, not only trying to get contractors, but obviously getting members because we need people. So you're going to have all these different trades sending in organizers from all over the country because Columbus is by far and away the busiest, the busiest uh, market in the United States. And it's just going to be a breeding ground. They're going to be there morning, noon, and night. They're going to be talking to the workers at the restaurants. They're going to be talking to the workers at the gas stations. They're going to be talking to the workers at the bars. They're going to be talking to the workers at, at, the, uh, at their homes. They're going to be doing home visits, hotel visits, visiting on their campgrounds, wherever they're staying. And, you know, if they're at the airport making substandard wages and benefits, there's going to be so many opportunities in Columbus and Central Ohio for them to go. Like we said, OSU Medical Center. We're getting ready to sign a community benefit agreement on the crime lab with the city of Columbus. The mayor's ensured that we're going to have a CBA and the new municipal courthouse. We've got a $20 billion job at Intel under a project labor agreement that they're looking at going to um, incentive pay on that. Honda is already paying incentive pay, $150 to $200 a week, depending on attendance and tardiness. Um, a lot of our solar projects are paying incentive pay. Uh, there's jobs around the region that are paying up to $125 in incentive pay, and there's jobs outside of the region that are under project labor agreements that are paying $10 over scale and $265 a day in incentive pay. So it's just going to create a breeding ground for organizing, and that's before we even talk about the job actions. You know, what if the UA, what if the IBW, what if the IUPAT feels disenfranchised on that project? They're going to have job actions there daily. Everybody that works inside the airport, the pilots, the, uh, the, 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 the people that check people in, the people that clean and maintain the airport, the baggage handlers are all union. You know, are all of them going to cross that picket line every day there's a job action? What about our elected leaders and, and our folks here, Republican and Democrat, that are pro-labor? Are they going to cross picket lines to fly in and out of Columbus? You know, so I, I, I just – I'm trying to – and the mayor asked point blank, what is their reasoning for not agreeing to a community benefit agreement? And I said they have not given us one and cannot give us one. And we've laid all the traps for them. And, and, and you know, me, I, I wouldn't want to deal with that. It seems like it would be much simpler. Our state building trades leader, Mike Nisley and Mark Douglas, have even got involved. And it's like Mike said, sign me up for the first two-hour shift on the picket duty. I'll get the truck and drive the rat around for two hours. I can do that easily. So. Oh, my gosh. This, this is one to watch. Holy smoke. It's gonna, and it's a seven-year project, Flash. 
a seven-year project. And you know, because you've heard me say on this on this program before, this is what our organizers do who meet monthly. We create a database of all the projects in Columbus and Central Ohio that we have lost. And if a call comes in for 30 electricians and the book is empty, they have those projects they can go out and they can strip to find those 30 electricians. Dorsey Hager joining us on our live line today. Dorsey, Executive Secretary, Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. Well, you laid a good one on me there. That was a surprise, no doubt about that. We'll continue with Dorsey later in the show. It's going to be our first Friday with Fred, Fred Redman of the AFL-CIO. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google, and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. America's Workforce is presented by the Laborers International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. OH.AFT.ORG is our website. Let's go back to our live line and... Rejoin Dorsey Hager on behalf of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. Now, I'm still blown away about what happened with that uh, bidding on the Columbus Airport. We'll definitely stay on that issue, especially when you got the ABC, Associated Builders and Contractors, involved. Notoriously, notoriously anti-union. But let's turn the page here and talk about um, politics. This is going to be a very interesting year, especially when it comes to uh, gerrymandering and trying to redistrict the districts in the state of Ohio and Ohio is it's it's not been good not been good in fact common cause came out with a report that we're probably the most gerrymandered state in the country right now so what do you see uh, what do you see ahead here uh, Dorsey 
Well, we're, we're coming off 2023, which was incredibly important. We had to make sure we kept our friends in city council. Uh, we worked our butts off to get Sarah Ingalls elected uh, to Columbus City School Board. Uh, so it's positive coming out of 23, but then the fight begins right away in 2024. Obviously, Sherrod Brown, he's got Bernie Marino, Frank LaRose, and Matt Dolan coming after him. Um, I think priority one um, is getting Sherrod Brown reelected. Nobody works harder in the U.S. Senate for organized uh, members and organized labor and unions and, and all working people uh, than Sherrod Brown. I mean, fighting on the floor of the Senate uh, to make sure that a project labor agreement was going to be instilled uh, at Intel and tied into the CHIPS Act and also making sure that that money was tied into getting people of color and women, minorities and unions, you know, because the pay and the benefits uh, on those projects were huge. And then all the work that he did uh, with former Senator Rob Portman to finally finally get the Brent Spence Bridge across the finish line. So we've got to do what we can. We've got to bust our butt. I was fortunate enough to be at his press conference when he turned his signatures in a couple weeks ago. But we've got to get uh, Senator Sherrod Brown reelected. And then some of the other statewide offices, um, obviously in Franklin County, I feel good about some of our uh, pro-labor Democrats because Franklin County is such a stronghold. And, uh, you know, we talked about gerrymandering and redistricting. Some of these districts have been gerrymandered to really overload Democrats. Uh, you know, so there's there's some districts here in Franklin County that have like an 81, 82 percent DPI. But obviously we want to make sure that Leader Russo um, gets reelected, but also what she can do to help uh, pick up seats in areas uh, where there's Republicans that are, are, are either funded by Americans for Prosperity or not pro-labor. And then we have to identify our pro-labor Republicans here in Columbus and Central Ohio, too. A lot of them are going to get primaried from folks from Americans for Prosperity, and we've got to get involved early. I think the primary is March 17th this year. We've got to get involved early and make sure that we work for them. We get our members out, uh, lit drops, door knocking, uh, get to fundraisers, get to events, make sure that they're financed and they're, they're okay because they've got to withstand these primary challenges uh, from some of these people that are way, way far right, that their biggest uh, reason for running is attacking and doing away with unions, not only building trade unions, but also teachers' unions, private sector unions, public sector unions, and all those, which will obviously set the state of Ohio uh, back and uh, could be a threat to everything that's going on here positively for our economy and for de development going forward. So there's a lot of things we're keeping our eyes on. And then last thing I want to mention is a good friend of mine has worked at the county engineer's office for 31 years, served three terms as the Franklin County engineer. Uh, Cornell Robertson, he will be retiring. He's not running for re-election, he announced over the holidays. So his last day will be January 31st. The Republicans will appoint somebody to finish out his last year of his term, and then we'll have an election for that office in November. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. By the way, the uh, primary is going to be on March 19th. I think you gave uh, St. Patty's Day there. 19th. Yeah, I did. So St. Patty's Day, we get ready for the 19th. How's that? So. There you go. Okay. <laughs> That's a nice warm-up yeah. to primary day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. All right. We're, we're going to leave it on that note. You loaded me up with a lot of information today. Dorsey Hager, Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council. You can follow them on Twitter, BuildCentralOH and ColumbusConstruction.org is a website. You take care. And we'll do this again in February, okay? Sounds good. One week flash. One week I, and the playoff starts. And we get to I watch know. them this year with our Browns. I cannot wait. We are fired up in Northeastern Ohio. No doubt about that. <laughs> go, go Brownies. Okay, buddy. You take care. Right. You too. Have a good weekend. Thanks.
All right, we're going to take a quick break. Fred Redman, it's our first Friday with Fred. He's coming up next. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are Steelworkers. Standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. First Friday of the new year, that means it's Fred Redman, Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, national website AFL-CIO.org. And if you go there, you will see a video with Liz Schuler talking about artificial intelligence with one of the leaders of Microsoft. This is really interesting, and I'll tell you, that was a big story last year. You're going to hear a whole lot more about it this year, and Fred is in the middle of it all. So, Fred, well, Happy New Year to you first, and... Uh, Welcome back to the show. Talk to me about this uh, this partnership with Microsoft. Sounds pretty interesting. Well, first of all, Happy New Year to you, uh, Flash, and your listeners. And uh, look, we are excited about setting a template on, you know, that we hope that other corporations, as they enter into this age of artificial intelligence and cybersecurity and the whole future of work, with, um, you know, changing up of the workplaces. You know, we set a template with Microsoft that we find very interesting, but also very progressive. And uh, we hope that more corporations who are uh, really uh, investing in artificial intelligence will look at what we've done with Microsoft. With Microsoft. And this came to fruition uh, through our uh, future of work department along with our technology institute 
in late uh, 2022, they went to a uh, seminar and they heard Brad Smith, the uh, vice president and newly appointed president of Microsoft, talk about issues of cybersecurity and artificial intelligence and how Microsoft wanted to be at the cutting age. And uh, the thing that differentiated uh, Brad Smith was he talked about worker involvement and how it was important to sit down with workers and work through this technology and try to eliminate fears. And our folks were so impressed, they set up a meeting with Liz Shuler, uh, the president of the AFL-CIO. And uh, Liz met with uh, Brad Smith. She had an initial meeting with them in November of 2022, which really, really expanded into a series of discussions throughout last year that uh, culminated in a neutrality agreement with not just Microsoft, but all of their subsidiaries that, uh, you know, are engaged in artificial intelligence. And uh, through a relationship, through the Communication Workers Unions and one of Microsoft's uh, subsidiaries, we entered into a neutrality agreement that really, really protects the workers' jobs, uh, engage the workers as partners in the implementation of artificial intelligence, really gives the workers input, and really, really is a template for how we think that we could deal with this issue of artificial intelligence through collective bargaining and through these sort of partnerships with a primary focus of trying to alleviate some of the fears that workers have and also to make sure that we have job security uh, and that workers' jobs are being protected as we go through this transition. Now, you know, we have our differences on different things, but this is a gigantic step, and we were pleased to hold the announcement at our headquarters uh, you know, regarding this partnership with Microsoft, and we're very excited about it. Yeah, hopefully other uh, companies will follow on this. So so the bottom line in all this, I mean, we both can agree, well, we the in labor as well as Microsoft, that workers need to have a seat at the table. That's pretty much what we're talking about, right? Absolutely. You know, we have no illusions that we're going to stop. When I say we, I'm talking about the labor movement, the implementation of artificial intelligence. But we definitely need a seat at the table. We need to discuss the people who's going to be affected by the implementation of these processes. And, uh, you know, so, you know, this sort of partnership, we think, is the best way to address the implementation of artificial intelligence and the expansion of artificial intelligence in the workplace. Because, look, there's no industry that's not going to be affected by this technology. And, uh, you know, workers are the ones who are, uh, you know, at the forefront of this. And uh, through the intervention of Brad Smith of Microsoft, we think we have a template that, like like you said, we hope that other companies could follow. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, MLK Day coming up, which is going to be a week from uh, this coming Monday. And boy, I remember having many conversations with you and yeah. your vice president of steelworkers with human affairs for so many years talking about the the uh, the Martin Luther, the MLK conferences. And I guess they, they go into different cities. 
This one's going to mm-hmm. happen uh, uh, actually next weekend, January 12th, 13th, and 14th in Montgomery, Alabama. The theme is Our, our Voice, Our Ballot, Our Future. Fred, this right. is all yours. I know you you are so engaged in these. You've been engaged in these over the years, and you've got to be pretty excited about next weekend. Well, I am excited. You know, the Secretary Trudge's office, my office at the FLCL, have taken the lead on this conference. And, um, you know, we're happy to be going to Montgomery, which is the cradle of the civil rights movement. And, uh, you know, this is the time when we're going to pause next weekend and, um, you know, pay respect to the civil rights movement, to the, uh, you know, endure remembrance that Dr. King took his last breath as Memphis, Tennessee, standing up for sanitation workers. But it's also going to be uh, a moment where we're going to really, really talk about the future and talk about the largest election mobilization that the AFL-CIO is going to unleash this year, going into the 2024 elections. We're going to have a lot of panel discussions. we got some dynamic speakers. But, uh, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, saving democracy because we think that's where we at in this country, that democracy is being threatened. Uh, we have over 800, about 830 delegates as of yesterday that have registered for the conference. And uh, what we want, our goal is to make sure that people leave their energized, mobilized and ready to go to work this year to uh, continue our fight toward a just and fair and equitable country, and also to make sure that we're energized going into November and, um, you know, make sure that we elect candidates up and down the ballot that's pro-workers. And uh, so we're excited about next weekend. We're looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, we're going to have an exciting time. And uh, But more importantly, you know, we're going to make sure that our rank and file members throughout our 60 unions are energized and ready to put in the work next year. I'm sorry, this year. Now, Fred, you've been, you've been doing these for a long time. I'm wondering if you could yeah. give us a little insight, maybe, uh, it, I mean, this is a three day mm-hmm. thing. Obviously there's a lot of workshops and, and right. I, I, I get the impression that you, what you do during this event is you create a kind of like a blueprint of what is going to happen politically for 2024. I know you're energized. I know labor is so right. united. I know about, you know, the or 2023 was a great year for organizing and many yeah. labor scholars feel it's going to continue along with the strikes. There's some big contracts up. I know, uh, postal workers there's going to be uh, mechanics over at uh, Boeing absolutely. absolutely so there's a lot yeah there's a lot going on right now but I'm wondering can you share some of the details of what goes on at uh, at a conference like this sure well we use this conference as a way to first of all pay honor and pay all our respect to, to Dr. King and the work that he did and the effort that the FLCL participated in to make uh, his birthday, a, a holiday weekend. Right. And, uh, you know, Dr. King, you know, we want this weekend to be about work because that's what Dr. King was about. So this weekend, you know, we always use it to set the tone for the labor movement going into a new year. So we're going to have a lot of discussion. 
about some of the key uh, congressional races, some of the key uh, uh, senatorial races, governor races uh, throughout the country. We're uh, expecting to hear from, um, you know, some of the candidates that's going to be joining us, such as people like Sherrod Brown and others to uh, talk about the uh, future of the labor movement in this country. And then we go out one day and we do community service in the spirit of Dr. King. So we have sites in Montgomery. Uh, you know, we got uh, women's shelters. We got, uh, you know, cleanup uh, that we're going to be doing and some uh, uh, cemeteries that's dilapidated in Montgomery. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a series of community service work. And then on Sunday, that Sunday, we're going to have a religious service where we're going to, um, you know, worship uh, during that day. And then we close the conference out Sunday evening with an award ceremony where we, where we will be awarding some of the heroes of the labor movement and the civil rights movement. So, you know, it's a moment of reflection for the labor movement, but it's also a weekend of education. It's a weekend of rededicating our movement toward the issue of expanding the relationship and reflecting on the late on the relationship between the civil rights community and the labor community. And it is really a time for us to come together and to chart the course for the remainder of this year. And there's no bigger issue before the labor movement right now than to make sure that we save our democracy in November during the national elections and to continue the energy that we saw in 2023 with workers turning toward the union in unprecedented organizing numbers. And we'll have some of those newly organized union members at the conference to talk about the importance of a collective bargaining agreement and talk about the importance of the trade union movement in this country. So, uh, you know, what we do at this conference, you know, most of the attendees is rank and file members from our 60 affiliate unions. And, uh, you know, what we do, as I stated, is to really, really set the tone for 2024. Our voice, our ballot, our future. You get all the information at aflcio.org. Okay, my brother, you take care. Okay. Good luck next weekend, and we'll talk in a month, okay? Okay, will do. Thank you, Flash. All right, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up on Monday, the latest from the Valley Labor Report and the professional aviation specialist. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful weekend. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.